Family meeting after 10. Uh, hi, everybody. So, fun fact <laughs> about the podcast you're about to listen to. Uh, we got about nine minutes in. Approximately, yes. Before we realized that I was using the wrong microphone. Yes. Which is Tom's fault. Oh, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, yeah, that microphone was not actually recording. However, the other microphone was out, and it was picking up sound. So we're pretty sure it's all going to be audible. Yeah, it and might not be great. We apologize for the standard. Yeah. Not being up to what you normally expect, but, right. uh. Carson would be upset, but here we are. Yeah. And if you're, if it's bothering you in the beginning, don't worry. It's only nine minutes. Yeah, it's very short. And we just, we had, had some really good back and forth that we didn't want to try to recreate. Exactly. Uh, because that never works out great. It doesn't, yeah. Like any episode you've ever heard where you're like, this is shit, right at the beginning is because of that. Yeah, we're going to say that. Yeah, definitely. For sure. That was definitely the reason. All right. Sorry to slow you down. Listen to the episode. Okay. And I'm Tom Schneider. Welcome back. Yeah. It's hard to believe we're already on episode five of six. Yeah. Series one. It's it's almost over. It's a fast-paced series. It is, yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate Yeah, six episodes is a really interesting length for a series to be. I think it's a good length. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we just discovered, we just watched Catastrophe on Amazon Prime, which stars Sharon Morgan of Pulling, one of our all-time favorite shows. Absolutely. Definitely mine. Is it one of I'd say it's it's on my list. It's not as high as it is on your list, yeah, I but mean, I would say polling is easily the number one series ever in the like girls behaving badly genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then also Rob Delaney, uh, who is a comedian, who up until now was known as sort of like the Twitter comedian, He's right? Sort of the guy who really made Twitter a draw for comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're phenomenal. They're people over forty. They accidentally get pregnant, and it is hilarious and horrifying. <laughs> you should watch it because it's summer. You don't have anything else to watch. That's right. We know you. Uh, speaking of which, we have gotten a lot of recommendations for the Crimson Field, mm-hmm. so we're passing that along to you, along with the savings. <laughs> uh, I think it's on PBS. Yeah. I didn't pay enough to close attention. <laughs> uh, but it's called the Crimson Field, and Una Chaplin of Game of Thrones. Whatever stupid name yeah, was. Whatever that made up character was on Game of Thrones. And then Mosley and Spratt both are in it. Um, nobody else super namey. There's somebody named Hermione who looks familiar. It's not Hermione Granger. Right. That is a fictional person. Uh, yeah, but it's about a field hospital uh, near the French front in World War One. Yeah. And I imagine Hermione Granger would not be a good actor. Like the character. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Would not, yeah. She wouldn't understand the point of it. She wouldn't. Uh, so that is a thing you can watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might watch it. We might. Probably won't cover it on here uh, for the twin reasons of A, being real busy. <laughs> right. And B, we're kind of burnt out on World War One this year. It's it's, it's a little bit, Titanic. yeah, you know, we'll see. And if we did get back onto World War One, I, I kind of want to go back and watch Gallipoli sometime. Okay. Yeah. I forget what that is. Is John Wayne No, it's Mel Gibson, like one oh, of the first shit. movies he was ever in. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know, and I watched it like in high school or something, and you know, enjoyed it as much as you watch something that you watch, you know, in forty, yeah, in forty minute increments over several days. (laughs) Oh yeah. All right. He's of Hawaiian descent. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Anyway, 
So he played Siddhartha. Mm-hmm. And but it was like it was a situation in that movie where like they thought this baby or like this young kid was the reincarnation right. of some llama. Uh or uh I can't remember if he was supposed to be the Dalai Lama or like what the deal was. Right. But anyway, so like the kid's family is like, We never heard of no Buddha. So it's a nice like white person introduction mm-hmm. to Buddhism. And like Chris Isaac is in it or something. Yeah. They let us watch a bunch of weird shit in high school. And they were like, This is educational. Yeah. Well, we were in Ohio at the time. Like, white person's introduction to Buddhism, you know, now that we're in the Bay Area, it's just moving to the Bay Area, and it'll, like, it'll happen. Yeah, our first trip out here, they're like, oh, there's this, like, Tibetan temple where you can have pancakes. <laughs> right. And we're like, okay, do we have to do anything? Yeah, and the bitchy white neighbor's always trying to get them to stop giving out the pancakes, but, yeah. yeah. Well, that's white people. Yeah, it's Berkeley. Speaking of white people. <laughs> yes. Let's, to the blinders of peaking. <laughs> Uh, so we open in a graveyard. Good old cheerful Peaky Blinders. <laughs> See, I got sunshine. <laughs> they don't. Oh, they never they have sunshine. Fire. Yeah. I got ashes. Who <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's like. Old man <laughs> I don't mind him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The uh, Nick Cave's dulcet tones are singing along as usual, and he stops at the grave of a Daniel Owen and looks around, and then, pow, Peaky Blinders. Whoa! Manly. Yeah. <laughs> See Aunt Paul walking in the rain with a basket of food. She goes down some stairs and sees a similar basket of rotten food just sitting outside the door, which, wasteful. Yeah. Like, you know, we've all joined a CSA. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Like, you just gotta figure out what size box works better for you. Right. And at least, if you're gonna let it rot, let it rot in the privacy of your own refrigerator. Yeah. Well, they may not have a refrigerator. Well, I understand. You know, icebox, food hutch. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> Pantry? I don't know. People were always going to the pantry in young adult I don't books. Want a food hutch. Okay. I don't like the word larder. Oh, the yeah. Larder is why I did not read the unabridged version of Oliver Twist at the age of eight <laughs> as I had I see. I opened the book and I was like, what the shit is this? Yeah. I suspect that had you persisted further, you would have found other reasons to abandon yes. your... Uh, uh, yeah. That one and actually Pride and Prejudice. I tried to read it. Oh, yeah. Like eight and like, what the fuck is this lady talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in that scene between Mr. and Mrs. Bennett at the very beginning. Uh-huh. I was just like, I was like, I don't get this. Yeah. Like, they are talking weird. <laughs> I'm not having it. But yeah. I read it later and it's great. It is. Controversial, I know. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Aunt Paul knocks on the door and asks Ada to open up, and she's brought some things for her and the baby. She's got fresh milk and eggs and bread. Uh, Paul tells her to take the supplies and think of her child and points out helpfully that babies don't have principles. And just like this baby does, he said he hates you. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't think Ada should have a kid. No. Yeah. That seems... I'm going to just go out on a limb and say this one... Uh, Ada seems like the protagonist in a book they would, or in a book, in a movie they would make us watch in Catholic high school to warn us about getting pregnant. Oh my god, absolutely. Like, also, definitely there are books like that. Too. Well, true. So, you know. I'm just saying, don't limit yourself. <laughs> right. Uh, Ada, though, seems to weaken a bit in her resolve as the baby continues to cry. And it's like, if you're not eating, you're not producing breast milk. Yeah. Uh, and that baby is, I hung out with the baby today. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a little bit older than this 
Mm-hmm. But that baby wanted to eat all the <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. All the babies are like, hey, wait a minute. I'm smaller than everybody. I got to eat. No, and it's true, actually, because the baby's mom was like, yeah, I think he's going through a growth spurt because he's sleeping a lot, but also wants to eat all the time. Mm. Uh, so that's been a lesson in babies, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a cut to terrible hat all bloody in prison. Nobody cares. Yeah. He's like, ah, I just wish I knew what they'd done to my hat. <laughs> what have you done to it, you <laughs> It's a communist hat! <laughs> it's going to business school. <laughs> Paul comes home and Killian asks if she spoke to Ada, and Paul says yes, but Ada didn't speak back. Killian wants to know if she told her that it wasn't him who shopped Freddie Thorne, and Paul says that she'll only tell Ada things that she knows to be true. Killian insists that it is true, quite plausibly to us at home. But Paul uh, is not convinced. She says she would make him swear on the Bible, but she can't do that, or he can't do that, because there's nothing he holds sacred. And, uh, yeah, Killian, Killian looks like he'd like to attend a meeting of Atheist Anonymous right now. Yeah, no, because he's so over this. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to interfere with anybody. I just don't believe in stuff. Yeah, because Killian looks, like, super annoyed here. He's just like, I don't care what you all do. I'm just not going to pretend that I give a shit. And it's good for them that he doesn't believe in God. It means he can, he can make the hard decisions. <laughs> yeah. We see Grace sitting at a desk with some papers, and someone comes in. She tells him that there's tea. It's Killian. And he's st- like, oh, this is the new system of writing everything in the diary. Eh? Why did you hire her? <laughs> if not to keep meticulous records of your criminal organization. That seemed to be in her job description. I mean, and to make out with her, but those things are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he then puts a black star on a date. She asks why, and he says that that black star day is the day they take out Billy Kimber and his men, and that nobody else knows. Grace asks, not even the family? And Killian says, Grace, everyone in my family hates me. Why would I tell them? Which is pretty much what I say about my family all the time. Yeah. I'm like, "Uh, they prefer not to know anything that I'm doing. Yeah. Still not clear that you need to tell Grace, but... Yeah, this is that thing that people do early in a relationship where they're like, I'm going to tell you something, like, secret (laughs) to, like, find out if I can trust you. But, like, they've already clearly, like, made the decision to trust the person. And sometimes it doesn't backfire because Mm -hmm. usually it's not something like, oh, we're going to kill Billy Kimber. But, uh, you know, it doesn't end well, usually. Yeah. It's a very high... Well, it's weird because it's usually very low stakes, well, but everybody treats it like it's really high stakes. And then like one person's like, I don't know why you care. And the other person is like, oh my God, like it's so important to me. <laughs> yeah. Arthur and John are at an illegal boxing match discussing whether or not Killian flipped on Terrible Hat. And Arthur tells this guy named Marston, who runs the game, mm-hmm. that he now needs Killian's permission and a license to operate any gambling. Marston gets very cheeky and asks who Arthur thinks he is. Someone else bellows, my name is Arthur Shelby. And we're all like, what? Yeah. Is this like a, is this like a Principal Skinner thing where Arthur like switched lives during World War One? I? I thought maybe Mumper had taken up uh, ventriloquism. <laughs> Anyway, there's a pan of the guy in the ring who Arthur calls dad. What? We will call him Scarface. (laughs) Or he has a scar. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. Whatever relationship I have with my parents, I have never accidentally run into any of them at an illegal prize fight. That is true. Much less with them in the ring. Yeah. So back home, Arthur has invited Scarface home for sandwiches, like I guess you do. 
Uh, and Scarface, by the way, has cleaned up real nice. Oh, yeah. From this prize fight. He looks very dapper. Yeah. Paul tells Scarface to finish his sandwich and deliver his hook. She is not very trustful of him. Uh, we learned that apparently Paul's name is Pollyanna. That's a real misnomer. Yeah. That book was out by now, right? <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I mean, I guess it's not her fault. Like, the same way that my last name is Anakin, and then, right. you know, The Phantom Menace came out, and I was like, guys, I swear this used to be cool. <laughs> it's not my fault that kid sucks. <laughs> Take that Jake Lloyd slash that other kid that actually <laughs> dubbed in all of his lines. <laughs> That's right. You thought you were getting away uh, criticism. Uh, fun fact. I saw that kid play Gavroche in a touring production of Les Miserables. I believe you. I know you do. <laughs> I have no reason to lie. That's not... That's a weird thing to lie about. <laughs> that would be. Like, one time when I was in college, my freshman year, this guy that was in my class told me that he was on the original cast recording of Children of Eden. Yeah. But, like, that his name was a different name. <laughs> and I was like... You are clearly lying to me. Yeah. Like, if you were on that cast recording, why would you be going to school in Dayton, Ohio? <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, so that's what pathological lying is. You would not believe how many pathological liars there are in college theater programs. <laughs> like, you might believe it, but it's like more than, you, I don't know, it's either more or less than you think it is. <laughs> no, I mean, once you say it, it's like, oh, yeah. Good, good call, pathological lots, liars. No, lots of pathological liars, lots of borderline personality disorder. <laughs> it is not a good scene. <laughs> anyway, Scarface says that he is there at the invitation of the head of the family. Uh, but Mumper's like, the head of the family isn't here. And Arthur's like, uh, well, Killian sometimes helps me with the business. <laughs> Uh, the door slams and Scarface says, speak of the devil. Uh, Killian walks in and has a great, like, you know, subtle reaction to seeing Scarface and immediately tells him to get out. I think this is, look, this is the way people should deal with toxic parents. Yeah. I read about toxic parents on Jezebel.com one time and mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, I know so many people who would be helped by just being like, no, I don't care that you're my parent. Get out of my life. Yeah. Look at Agnes Taller. I know. Yeah, that's the only reason we didn't call this guy Drunky McGin. <laughs> uh, Killian says that the family needed him 10 years ago and he walked out and they don't need him now. Arthur says that Scarface has changed, but Killian is unconvinced. Scarface says that's fine. He never stays where he's not wanted and he bounces. Arthur points out that he's their dad. Oh, there's a little thing here. When he walks out, Finn, who is in the room but hasn't said anything, like peeks his head around the hallway to watch him leaving and Mumper pulls him back. And it's funny how, like, of the three non-Thomas brothers, like, John's, like, the smart one. No, he is. Because, yeah. I mean, he's not intelligent. Right. But he's got common sense. Yeah. Look, he knew he needed a mother for his kids, but with the barefootness and the dog. <laughs> right. And he went out and he got one, which mm -hmm. is more than you can say about Arthur. Right. Arthur has done nothing useful this entire time. And yeah. spoiler alert, he is not going to start now. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to find out the timing of when their dad abandoned them. Mm -hmm. Because it was 10 years ago, so Finn would have been like a one-year-old. Yeah. And it's just like, it's crazy to me. I'm like, what is it about the fourth child at one <laughs> where you're suddenly like, I can't handle this. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. And we don't even know when their mom died. Right. We. I, it's not, I mean, obviously it was after Finn was born. Well, I would think so, yes. Um, yeah, but it's just, it's not clear. Yeah. 
sort of what that was like. Yeah. So, you know, if uh, Steve Knight ever decides to do a prequel. <laughs> right. I mean, I think it's all just still left in in case they ever decide they want to explain it for some character reason. Yeah. You know, they haven't committed to anything. Arthur points out that Scarface is their dad. Killian scoffs. Uh, Killian says that he is a selfish bastard. Arthur says that's rich since Killian's selfishness has already cost them a sister. Killian says if Arthur wants to see their dad, then he should go with him. And Arthur does. Yeah, and this scene is, like, way more effective than it sounds the way we've just <laughs> described it. Right. Well, because so much of the scene is not in what they're saying. It's about their posture and their facial expressions. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, there's... Or Arthur in particular. Yeah, I mean, and, oh, this is such a heartbreaking episode because yeah. Arthur just gets his ass handed to him yeah. on multiple occasions. Well, the thing is, he had settled in. He didn't have a problem being lieutenant. He was good at it. Yeah. He's, he's perfectly good at that job, and mm-hmm. he's an asset to the family in that job. Well, and he's good as, you know, a high-level enforcer. Right, exactly. You know? And it's just, as long as they don't go by, you know, strict primogenitor, everything would be fine. Yeah. Well, uh, that's true throughout history. <laughs> we see Grace wearing a truly heinous outfit, which is a running theme in this episode. <laughs> Later, she looks like a Dutch child. <laughs> Uh, she's working figures as a door opens, and it's Arthur at the garrison. He comes in and says he's taking five pounds from petty cash. Grace says they don't have five pounds in petty cash, but Arthur says he'll take what they have. Grace eye rolls that he should just fill out a receipt, and then says that there are things in the book she doesn't understand. And Arthur doesn't even look at her and just shoots back, Lock wall. <laughs> <laughs> She wants to know why they are paying a Daniel Owen once a week by postal service. And Arthur explains about Danny Whizbang hanging out around the Camden wharves to get intel for the family. So they're all just fine with telling Grace whatever. No, and that's the thing that I really don't get. I'm like, why did you just give her these books? Yeah. Like, you should have had either some truths or some lies <laughs> to go along with this. Yeah. Um, Grace says that she thought Danny Whizbang was dead and that she's seen his grave. Which... What? Why do these people hang out at the graveyard so much? Like, Jesus. Yeah. Maybe that's why you're all so depressed. Yeah. Like, how did she see his grave? If she didn't know who he was, then she wouldn't have gone and looked for it. And also, she wouldn't have been at the funeral. How many Daniel Owens would there be in this part of England? Mm -hmm. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. Fuck off, Grace. She's like, oh, well, I'm a spy. (laughs) How else are they going to know? How would you even have known to spy on that grave, though? I don't know, honey. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I wish I could help you. You can't. I know. (laughs) Arthur tells her that the grave is all a show, and Grace wonders who's buried in Danny Wisbang's grave. Then Arthur pontificates that she shouldn't ask questions about things that don't concern her. And I'm like, well, you were handing out information left and right (laughs) just now. Right. So despite how much Grace irritates the living crap out of me, (laughs) she was pretty, like, correct on this front. Yeah. He then gives her a coin, which I wonder, it can't be a pound coin if they don't even have five pounds petty cash. Right. I was listening to a whole thing on the BBC today about currency and it getting phased out. So I learned some stuff. No, I meant to try and go to the screenshot and see if I could get any idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, listeners, do you know what that coin was? <laughs> if so, we want to hear your story. We do. Uh, he tells Grace not to tell Killian that he took any money, and Grace then just pouts as he leaves, like, that's my whole job. It, it kind of is, yeah. too. That's accounting. That and being a terrible spy. <laughs> Don't tread on me. 
Uh, then we get a shot of Grace at the graveyard snooping around at Danny Wisbang's grave like an amazing spy would do. <laughs> right. What are you going to see there? It's still a grave. Also, given that this is a high-level military operation, how do they not have a network of spies in town who can go and do stuff so that she doesn't have to keep doing shit that risks her blowing her cover? Like, I know she's like, I'm going to go do this. But part of being a spy is having other people... Where you, yeah, well, I think this comparing w- the spy craft on this show to the Americans, well, really leaves a lot to be desired. Sure, I mean, I think this one is mostly just on Grace not wanting to, just wanting to do everything herself. I mean, just well, like when and, she got, you I know, mean, just you like with when she shot that IRA yeah. guy. She, you also can't discount the fact that she is developing this attraction to Killian Murphy, so it's unclear what her motives are at this right. point. Her loyalties are becoming divided, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So cut to Arthur and Scarface. Scarface thinks that Killian needs a good hiding, and Arthur says that Paul is likely to give him one. Scarface thinks that it sounds like Mumper and Ada would like to as well, but Arthur says that Mumper just mumps on principle. <laughs> I want a mump on principle. <laughs> mum, mump, mum, 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 mum. And he s- says that, boy, if Scarface saw Mumper's misses, uh, she's he'd, fine. Yeah. But I guess, you know, whatever. She's not bad. Nah. I mean, you know, for somebody you were forced to marry at gunpoint. But yeah, really, honestly? Yeah. Like, you really can't do better than that. Yeah. Scarface. Well, we know she's a bit wild, so. Oh, right. Things probably working out in the bedroom. Yeah. Uh, get ready for some more barefoot kids, local <laughs> dogs. Oh, my God. Scarface asks if Arthur has got himself a girl and suggests that Killian isn't letting him, uh, which is not at all true. Arthur says that Killian's different since the war. Scarface agrees. And Finn, who is there apparently. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, he asks where Scarface fought in the war. And Scarface says all over, which is not a very convincing answer. Sounds like he didn't fight at all. Right. Much like Sam Neill. <laughs> yes. Uh, in in. But he says the eventually the light of Jesus Christ spread over him. I wonder if Jesus is upset about how often con artists use him to make money. Yeah, I mean, I guess that depends on whether or not Jesus is just actually one of the greatest con artists of all time. Although, you know what? I guess he'd probably be pissed either way. Yeah, because it's not like he's getting a cut. Yeah. And, you know, you can tithe all you want, but, you know, <laughs> render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God's. But, like, there's no, like, there's no <laughs> PayPal to heaven. <laughs> Scarface says that he went to America and learned about casinos. And he parades this knowledge that he has and some kind of prospectus in front of Arthur, who is eating all this up with a spoon. Yeah. Completely. It's, it's incredibly uncomfortable to watch because unbeknownst to us, we've become quite fond of Arthur. Yeah. Uh, we didn't realize that this double blowjob getting, <laughs> bad temper having, weird haircut dude, uh, had, had wormed his way into our affections and seeing him be Taken in so explicitly by his own father is heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. 
Yeah, but he pitches him on uh, the Shelby Casino and Hotel in this dream that he would love to stand alongside his sons in front of the Shelby Casino and Hotel. And this is all in America that he's seen all this. He said he's been abroad right. and seen this. And also, considering the way he talks, <laughs> I think Sam Neill is pulling a faceless man and impersonating <laughs> Scarface. You may be right, because they had the same bizarre accent. Yes. <laughs> a man starts a casino. <laughs> Uh, Arthur decides, guess what? They're going to invest the casino in the casino and no need to consult Killian. Or Aunt Paul. Yeah. So that's that's going to be great. Yeah, that's a great idea. Also, yeah. when did Finn start drinking? Was it currently right now <laughs> or has he been drinking the whole time? Uh, it's Birmingham. He... Like, I've seen Oliver. I'm not shocked by any means, but... <laughs> right. Yeah. Finn also, by the way, was pretty uh, stoked about the Shelby Casino and Hotel, which is fine. Well, I think Finn is, is just stoked to see his dad, period. Yeah. His yeah. dad's got to be like a mythic character to him, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, so Scarface tells Arthur, on your feet, soldier, on your feet. Uh, this got ominous real fast yeah. because his tone just immediately changed. Yeah, yeah. Back at Marston's boxing joint, Arthur protests that he doesn't want to fight his dad, which is apparently the conversation that has brought them here. Yeah. Uh, Scarface don't care and then proceeds to l- beat the living shit out of Arthur. And like the way they shoot it is very upsetting. And yeah, you've got to hand it to the guy who plays Arthur because mm-hmm. just the anguish and the conflicted feelings that he has are difficult to play and he plays them really well. Yeah. Um, so after he has beaten up Arthur, Scarface parades Arthur around saying that that's his son and he loves him and he's proud of him and he can fight any man there. Actually, he doesn't say he loves him or does he? I don't think he does. He says says he's proud proud of him. Anyway, it's really upsetting because he then embraces Arthur and says, you did good son. And then Arthur responds, I love you, dad. And oh my God, where's a therapist? Yeah. We really need a family counselor. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's not cool. Yeah. Don't box your family members. What yeah. is there to understand about That's this? That's pretty clear. Yeah. So Killian's sitting at the bar at the garrison, and a dude sidles up to him and says, Mr. Shelby. Killian wants to know who's asking, and it's Byrne is his name, and he says that Killian's man in Camden said he wanted to parley. I.E. Danny Wisbang. Right. Byrne brings up Mr. Ryan, the drunk IRA guy who Grace shot. Grace once again dazzles with her espionage skills by eavesdropping in plain sight. Yes. Could you speak a little louder? That's a man I killed. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to spy on him. (laughs) But he saw me, so I had to kill him. (laughs) Ah, my Grace... Impression really annoys me, everyone, because it's really good about, like, 60% of the time. Yeah, yeah. As long as I'm only saying one sentence. (laughs) Byrne tries to figure out if Killian was behind uh, Ryan's death, but Killian reiterates that he's not in the business of making enemies and that anyone, even members of the IRA, are welcome at the garrison as long as they buy beer. Killian monologues that drunk people say things in pubs that they perhaps did not mean to. And Byrne says that as a teetotal man, he finds that amusing. Which is actually pretty funny. It is, yeah. <laughs> Good job, Byrne. <laughs> Killian sarcastically offers him cordial and water. Byrne says that Ryan was actually very connected to the IRA, and to him specifically, it was his cousin, uh, and that he, Byrne, has a lot of influence in South Amra. We don't know what that means. Right. 
Killian is suddenly shaken and tells Grace to bring cordial and water to the snug. Which is the name for that little room, yeah. which would have also been a great name for this podcast. Would have been really nice, yeah. I mean, family meeting is probably better. Oh, I'm fine with it. But the snug, ah, <laughs> just, you know, what could have been. <laughs> Byrne says that his cousin wanted to buy guns and that Danny Wisbang uh, also got drunk (laughs) and told him that the Peaky Blinders do have the guns. Killian bluffs that he has no idea what they're talking about and that Danny Wisbang also sees German soldiers on the back of milk trucks and tries to stab them with this broomstick, which is, you you know, Killian doesn't ever blink. Like, he's really good at this. Right. Byrne insists, though, that Danny told him that only the brothers know where the guns are kept. Byrne says that all of his connections point to Killian as the haver of the guns. He then drinks his cordial in one go as if that's supposed to intimidate anyone. No, I know. And I I feel like that was sort of the point was just as being so ridiculous. Like, I don't know. But it it was funny. I guess I just don't get Irish humor. (laughs) Like, I saw Waking Ned Divine and I was like, what, are they funny or something? (laughs) That old guy was naked. Come on. That's true. That's all. My little brother was like five at the time. And he was like, naked guy in a motorcycle. (laughs) Actually, I think he might have been three. (laughs) When I think about the syntax of what he said. No. Um, 1998. He was three. Oh, uh, look at look you. Look at me. Yeah. Uh. Knowing your brother's age and the year that Waking Ned Divine came out. Oddly uh, enough. I know it because we were looking up the best of list for Siskel and Ebert the year that Babe Pig in the City came oh, out. Oh, right. Which was 1998, which is the last year, unfortunately, that Gene Siskel was with us. Yes. Uh, or at least completed. Yeah. Anyway, Burn then... Uh, emboldened by the cordial. <laughs> right. Gets super threatening and says that Killian will deliver the guns to him or he will rain hell and fury down on all the Peaky Blinders. Uh, and he's like stood up and leaned in. Yeah. And then Killian confesses that he does have the guns, but they have become a burden to him and that perhaps it is time to unload that burden for the right price. Uh, Burn then finally sits the fuck back town looking very smug. Yeah. And I'm like, have you seen this show before, dude? <laughs> like, I'm not betting on you. Yeah. So Killian is in a smoky room. Which turns out to be the Chinese laundry. Yeah, but like this whole scene, like the cameras like kind of behind doors and like moving around. And screens and stuff. Yeah. It's like it's trying to be artful. It's like Steve Knight, like stick to your strengths, uh, filming things that look like beer commercials. Right. My feeling is that the crew had gotten three hours into striking this whole Chinese set and they came in there like, wait a minute, we've still got one more scene to film. That actually sounds really plausible. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Sam Neill is there, along with Sam Neill's pipe. <laughs> Killian points out Byrne on a lineup flyer that offers a reward. Sam Neill says that Malachi Byrne is a big fish with a weird name. <laughs> Killian says that with the guns as bait, who knows what they'll catch. Sam Neill balks at the idea that they are working together, even though they have been doing that for quite some time. He's such a dick. He is. Well, it, no, it doesn't count because he refused to shake killian's hand that time oh that's true yeah killian says perhaps they have more in common than sam neil thinks that's true i've been impersonating your father all morning (laughs) 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 sam neil wants to know if killian can deliver burn killian says yes with sam neil's help and he wants word put out in ireland that he was not involved Sam Neill says he'll be solving a, a problem of Killian's, and Killian says yes, then Sam Neill will get that medal. 
Sam Neill says that if he gets a medal, he'll carve Killian's initials on the backside. And Killian's like, oh, my initials on your backside. What an image. Waka waka. I'm, I'm 12. <laughs> uh, you know, he doesn't get to have much fun. No, that's true. He never goes to the pictures. <laughs> Killian asks who gave up Freddie Thorne. And Sam Neill says, as everyone in the city knows, it was you. <laughs> also, I'm your father. <laughs> yeah. Point Sam Neill, though. No, it's that's, a sweet burn. It is. Yeah. Uh, although, this might be a good indication to Killian that perhaps Sam Neill and his ilk cannot be trusted. <laughs> Scarface knocks on the Shelby door, and Arthur comes out with stacks of cash and wants to know when they sail. Scarface says to meet him Friday at the boxing ring. Uh, Arthur almost seems like he knows he's been fleeced. It's like just on the yeah. edge of his consciousness. It's like, dude, all you had to do was not give him the money till Friday. I know. Why are you giving it to him Although now? Although he still would, he would be like, oh, you know, oh, you know, we're not sailing till Saturday. I have to propose marriage to a spy. <laughs> yeah. I'm leading a double life. You know, con man gonna con. <laughs> Grace cleans the garrison very slowly. Uh, wow, this episode is jam-packed. Yeah. Like, we're not even, like, 15 minutes into it, I don't think. Like, maybe 20. Yeah, yeah. But we're already at this scene. Yeah, we are. So there's a knock on the door. Killian comes in, tells her to leave the door open, and starts arranging some chairs. Grace goes to pour him a drink, but he refuses, and says that at midnight, two IRA men are going to come in, and when they get what they want from him, they're going to kill him. And it is Grace's job to stop that happening, and he hands her a gun. Uh, Grace is like, I hadn't even gotten around to the spittoons yet. What is going on here? <laughs> Excuse me, we'll be getting overtime. <laughs> that Freddie Thorne made a lot of sense. Harry and I have been thinking about starting a union. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Quiet, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Grace says that Killian could have given her more could have given her more warning and he says no he couldn't have he just got the message that they want to meet at the garrison alone yeah she's awfully entitled for somebody who's just been enlisted as like you know backup yeah and grace is all like barmaids don't count yeah she gets so like can you hear yourself talk <laughs> you fucking ugh. she's such an idiot Anyway, Killian says she's going to be in the back room until he proposes a toast, and then she is going to come out pointing a gun, just pointing it, he emphasizes, and he will do the rest. She asks if they're planning to kill the IRA men, but he says, no, the police want them alive. Killian hurries her into the back and sits down. Outside in the rain, we see Moss uh, waiting there with his team, and he says to hold there because if there's damage to either side, it's no concern of theirs. So Killian sits and watches as the two men come inside, and it's Byrne and uh, another guy who pretty sure is the guy. Yeah, we did figure out eventually that he was the non-Ryan guy whose name we forgot. Yes. So Killian pours the drinks. The drinks are refused. And Byrne says to show them where the guns are. Killian holds up a piece of paper and asks for the cash first. Uh, so other guy pulls out the cash. They make the trade. And Killian tells the men that they will need a shovel. The not-burned guy laughs and calls him a thick fucking tinker and asks if he thought they would let him live. Is tinker slang for gypsy? I don't think so. I think tinker is just a standard, like, low-class itinerant. Okay. You know, it's like... Like a literal tinker? Yeah. Like a tin salesman? <laughs> well, a tin repair person. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I read Farmer Boy, Tom. I don't need you to mansplain what a tinker is. I'm sorry. Even though I asked you to mansplain what a tinker is. <laughs> right. So here we are. 
it might have had a different colloquial meaning. Well, no, you're right. And it, it might still I that I don't know about. Listeners, are you a tinker? <laughs> have you ever been called a tinker? If so, we want to hear your story. Yeah, how's the tinking market in today's economy? <laughs> So yeah, not burn guys holding a gun on Killian. Uh, Burn tells Killian to make his peace. Uh, they've both failed to learn. One of the important lessons in life is if you're going to kill somebody, kill them. Right? It's yeah. pretty, I mean, granted, I say that as somebody who has never A, desired to, or B, tried to kill anybody. Right. But- True. It's never come up for me, but I would think. Anyway, we see Grace in the back room holding the gun. Killian says that he will make his peace in his own way, and he toasts to barmaids who don't count. At which point, Grace comes out and shoots the non-Burn guy. Uh, and then Killian gets into a really nasty hand-to-hand fight with Burn, who uh, almost chokes him to death as Killian has flashbacks to World War I, uh, before Killian finally elbows Burn in the groin a bunch of times, and then beats his skull in with a spittoon. Uh, you know, it was Chekhov's spittoon the whole time. Uh, yeah, clearly. We were making fun of Grace, but that was really an important part of the story. <laughs> it was. Killian approaches Grace, who is sitting down for reasons that are unclear. Yeah, I mean, speaking of, like, if you're going to kill somebody, kill them. It is unclear to me why she shot the first guy and not then immediately the second one. Because he sat there for enough time for her to get another shot off. Right. It certainly seemed that way. Like, I don't understand. And, like, why wasn't Killian strapped? Like, they didn't search him or anything. Right. Anyway, I guess they just wanted to have a hand-to-hand fight, which... Yeah, you know, fair enough. fine. Yeah. Anyway, he asks Grace why she shot, and she says she didn't know she had it in her like that. It's not really an answer. No, it's not. So they both admit that now they have seen each other and embrace. Then Moss comes in with his uh, team, and Killian yells at him, saying that he was supposed to come in on the sixth chime. And, like, Killian's upset. Yeah. We've never seen him flapped like this before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Moss says that it doesn't matter since they were never even there and nothing even happened. Killian wants the bodies out and Moss says that's fine. He will leave the two lovebirds to it. We see Killian and Grace walking, sharing a cigarette. Grace thanks Killian and he apologizes. Uh, he starts walking away and Grace kind of like stands there like, oh, I thought we were going to do it. Uh, but they're not because Killian keeps walking and she goes back into her apartment. Yeah. Uh, but at an abandoned amphitheater or something the following day, Grace meets Sam Neill. And Sam Neill says he had no idea Killian would involve her in this. And it's like, what part of her being a spy who works for him did you not consider? Yeah. Like, he's going to ask her to do illegal ass shit a lot. Right. Like, and that might involve killing somebody. Mm-hmm. He says that Moss wrote a report, which he burned, of course, but it said that he found Killian and Grace embracing. And Grace is like, why do you care? Yeah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> she tells Sam Neill that she is the one who killed the IRA, the IRA men. Both of them. She does not explain mm-hmm. the spittoon thing. <laughs> uh, and Sam Neill has, has said, you know, she's been living with beasts. Right. So it's only natural that she would kill someone. And uh, Grace points out that the Beast is the one who tried to stop her from killing anybody. Or, you know, explicitly told her not to, yes. for example. And then, Although he is lucky that she did. Because those well, guys did true. not come in when they were supposed to. That's true. That's true. She says that she's changed now and that she no longer feels the need to avenge her father, which is weird. It is weird. Because you killed, granted, a couple guys in the IRA, but the IRA still out there. Yeah, still totally still a thing. totally killing people. Yeah. 
And uh, like if it, why was it? Cause you had shot an IRA guy already and that didn't do it, but it was, oh, I just needed to kill two of them. That outnumbers the number of my fathers that they killed, so I win. Yeah, this is not well done, Steve Knight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Samuel wants to know she's resigning. She says yes, and that their mission has come to a natural end because she knows where the guns are buried. What? Uh, I mean, it was pretty obvious yeah. if you watched this episode. <laughs> Grace says that if she, it's the only way I could find them <laughs> watching the show. <laughs> Grace says that if she's right, they can leave the city as they found it, and she does not want Killian to be harmed. Sam Neill accuses her of sentiment, and she's like, yeah, fine, whatever. <laughs> uh, Sam Neill grabs her hand and says she is too soft-hearted for this work, and she says perhaps, even though obviously that is not why she wants to leave. <laughs> she wants to leave before she bones Killian Murphy. <laughs> Uh, Samuel says that he'll give his word as a gentleman to not harm Killian, but we all know he is not a man of his word, Indeed. so I don't even know why he bothers. Mm-hmm. But as they walk away, Grace tells him that the guns are buried in Danny Wisbang's grave, and then Grace's crappy singing starts <laughs> up over the end of the scene. Yeah. And she's singing at the garrison for the, like, three people who are inexplicably not booing her. <laughs> <laughs> as Well, they heard Killian has a crush on her, so. Uh, well, actually, that's a good point. It's like a, you know, Citizen Kane situation. It is a Citizen Kane situation. Uh, and we see Sam, Neil, Moss, and company uh, digging up the grave. We see Arthur sitting sadly at the boxing ring. Oh, God. Yeah. We see Ada sitting with her fussing baby. And Sam, Neil, he has at last found the guns. He's so happy. He is. He's like, never been, like, no one has ever been happier to see anything <laughs> than Sam, Neil is to see these guns. Like, Freddie Thorne was not this happy when he met his son. Yeah. Uh, and then we see uh, Killian has come in to the garrison, and he and Grace are making eyes at each other. Grace then uh, walks up to the crew at the graveyard, Where she I guess the be. next day. Yeah. Sam Neill hugs her and says they've got all the guns except one. <laughs> Grace then resigns her commission, uh, which Sam Neill takes as an opportunity out of the blue to just propose marriage right there. He's just been carrying a ring around. Yeah. Uh, Grace pauses and says no and that mr campbell deserves better which (laughs) like not really like i don't think deserving comes into it with these two it's just laughable yeah um i mean he's been very paternalistic and weird with her the whole time yeah but But this is a little much yeah uh sam neil wants to know if it's killian that's come between them and Grace doesn't answer and says her resignation will be with him in the morning. Yeah, which this actually is actually kind of an example of Grace's bad spying. Because you know what she really needed to say there was no. Yeah. Like, if she did not want the events that are going to ensue. Mm-hmm. To ensue. Yeah. No, she needed to look out for her boo. And yeah. she failed to do so. She did. You know this dude's a crazy stalker. Yeah. Like, you just know that. It's his job. It is his professional, you know, vocation is crazy stuff. And he already hates this guy beyond you wanting to, like, have sex with him. Right. So Arthur runs up to the train platform where he finds Scarface. Uh, Which is with, a stroke of bizarre luck. Yeah. Well, I guess Marston uh, told Arthur where Scarface was. And Scarface says, well, at least we get to say goodbye. Worst dad ever. Yeah. Arthur asks why Scarface told him all that stuff about Atlantic City, and Scarface is like, uh, dude, sucks to be you. I don't know what to tell you. He never even went to Atlantic City, yeah. basically, is what mm-hmm. he says. 
He is, yeah, it just, it's just. He's such an unbelievable dick. Yeah. When he has, he says, uh, a Bible verse that's something about scorn not the thief who steals to feed his hunger or whatever. And it's like, I, dude, you had at least enough money for a nice suit and some mustache wax. Yeah. You do not need to steal that money. Shut up. You're a monster. Like a monster. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Arthur says that he waited as we saw at the boxing ring, and then attacks Scarface, but Scarface overpowers him and says that if Arthur ever lays a hand on him, he will uh, kill the fuck out of him. And, like, he's like, I will, like, slit your throat and, like, spread you out over these railroad tracks. Like, uh, no parent should be physically capable of saying that to their child. Yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah. And Arthur walks away crying I believe he has uh, pissed himself. It wasn't totally clear, but yeah. it seemed like that was what happened. Yeah, yeah. We see Paul reading a newspaper as Arthur comes in. She asks where Scarface is and assumes he's frittering away the 500 Arthur took. Arthur asks if Killian knows. Paul says no, but he is going to tell Killian himself. A Sam Neill speechifies about these guns are never again go- or will never be used to kill the innocent. <laughs> Except the innocent in Algeria. Yeah. Or Libya. Whichever it was. I think Liberia, actually. Eh? Well, it was Africa. Yeah. And there's some innocent people going to be killed by those guns, but not white people. Yeah. That's the important thing. Well, they're the most innocent people of all. <laughs> That's right. They're white. But despite that, they will not rest until they destroy Killian and all of his kind. <laughs> And I wanted Moss to raise his hand and be like, uh, sir, this, this city is mostly his kind. That's, we're mostly, yeah. It's a very criminal based economy. <laughs> like, you're gonna really mess things up for everybody. <laughs> it's like you want the communists to take over. Yeah. Anyway, w- during the speech, we see Killian and Finn discovering that the guns are gone. Uh, Killian tells Finn that there's going to be trouble and that Killian's gonna have to go away for a while. So, was Finn there when they buried them? Because they say at some point, that the, only the brothers knew. Yeah. So yeah, Grace they, says that. Yeah, are they allowing Finn to know stuff? Because that seems ill-advised. Although it, Finn has never really fucked around except for that one time in the car. Yeah. And, I mean, you got to bring him in at some point. That's so it's true. interesting. Although he's not, you know, a shareholder. True. At true, the end. So. True. Arthur drunkenly shows up at the boxing ring and demands that somebody fight him. Uh, it's incredibly sad and pathetic because Marston's like, we closed up. We're done. We're all going home. Like, yeah. and nobody wants to fight you, man. Like, you're yeah. clearly going through something. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sorry about your dad or whatever. Right. I mean, not really. I don't care. No. I travel from town to town running illegal prize fights. Yeah. Not super big on the sympathy. <laughs> So Harry comes up to Grace and says that he has heard that the cops are coming down from Daratend in numbers, asking for Killian by name. Killian walks in and Harry says, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Which is apt. Yeah. So Killian and Grace go into the snug. Killian says that he has to lie low, but when he gets back, he'll tell Grace some things. He totally sucks at this establishing trust game. I mean, like, it would work if it wasn't so high stakes. Yeah. Grace wants to know why Killian took a chance on coming to the garrison. And she's just as bad because every question she asks him, the subtext is, are we dating? (laughs) Are we boyfriend and girlfriend? I'd really like to know. I'd like you to meet my parents, except my father's been killed. (laughs) I know you're not into labels, but I am. (laughs) (laughs) I just need some security. So Finn comes in and says that the police are in the lane, and he and Grace take off as the cops descend on the garrison. 
Sam Neill asks for Killian, and Harry says that he's never heard of him. This whole scene reminds me of Who Framed Roger Rabbit when <laughs> Judge Doom comes in, and that guy is all, like, talking about Harvey and stuff. Yeah. I kind of wished it went that way, but it, it didn't. It's, it's a very different type show. <laughs> the, the, the tone is much different. Yeah. I mean, less different than you'd think, but still. Yeah. Less different than you'd think for a film, you know, in which Porky Pig is a role. <laughs> Finn chimes in to say that Sam Neill is never going to find Killian. Which, Finn, maybe don't talk to the police at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, just don't. I mean, it's true enough. Anyway, uh, they send Sam Neill sends Finn home and then continues interrogating Harry at gunpoint. Uh, Harry eventually says that Killian left with Grace and they're probably going to her place. Uh, so then cut to outside as Sam Neill is telling Moss to call it all off. Uh... You're bad at your job. That's more or less Moss's internal no, response. No, because it's like, uh, they were going to bust this guy for a legitimate reason. Mm-hmm. He stole the guns from the factory and hid them yeah. and had admitted to having them. Like, yeah. It's like hook, line, and sinker right. on bringing this guy in. And I know Winston Churchill does not give a shit who took the guns or whether or not they're punished. Right, right. But Jesus. Really should have just let Moss run this whole thing. I know. At Grace's, she lights the lamp and apologizes that it's not much of a place. She offers him tea and then rum, and Killian hilariously says he will go with tea, <laughs> which I even like rum as long as it's not like coconutty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, he asks if she's got a biscuit. She says no because they attract mice. <laughs> yeah. I'm really committed to this slumming. <laughs> I'm a spy, you see. <laughs> After we've done it, I'll tell you some things. <laughs> Grace looks out the rainy window and Killian says he'll go when the trouble dies down, probably the morning. And they act all coy, even though they both know they're going to bang. Yeah, well. Uh, which I guess, you know, coy is fun. It's the dance of seduction. I you know, know. I'm so jaded and old. <laughs> I know, me too. I'm like, what? <laughs> Wait, you're married for 10 years. You're just like, are we going to have sex? Okay, let's do that. Uh... Killian points out that she has a gramophone, but she says it's broken. I'm like, and why do you have that? She has a broken gramophone specifically so people can point it out and she'll be like, oh, it's broken, but I could sing if you like. Ugh, I hate her so much. <laughs> Someone invent the iPod. I've got a 12-string guitar around here somewhere. <laughs> you can play the tambourine. <laughs> hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, I'm a spy, you see. Does make the men cry. <laughs> Stop, please. Uh, he says that even though the gramophone is broken, they can still dance. Uh, he says he knows she likes to be asked properly, so he asks her properly, and they start dancing as Sam Neill creepily spies on Grace from the street. And all he does is look at them dancing and then walk away. Yeah. I'm like, this. you really could have gotten a good wank out of this, but you <laughs> squandered it. Uh, Grace's theme kicks in as they start kissing and removing their clothes. And all right. I can't even talk shit about this scene because yeah. it's actually very sexy. It is. You know, we see them sexually removing their period costumes, which you almost never get to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Killian has a ton of scars and tattoos that we've never seen. Yeah, it's true. And it's so sexy that I almost typed Tommy <laughs> instead of Killian in this recap. Like, yeah. That's how, that's how flustered I was. I was like, he's his character. <laughs> um, Grace afterward. Uh, Grace asks if he's all right. They've had very interesting looking. Oh yeah, sex. sure. It was all. Uh, yeah, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> Again, jaded. Well, no, and I'm so curious what her sexual history is. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, 
have a lot of questions. Um, Grace asks if he's all right. Killian is happy and smiling for literally the first time <laughs> we've ever seen him on the show. Yeah. He says he doesn't hear the shovels against the wall. And Grace is like, what? Uh, but he has not explained this. He then just asks if Grace will help him with life, business, the whole fucking thing. Uh, and Grace crucially does not say anything. Yeah. So again, Killian, you are putting so much trust in this person who at no point has given you any indication that she is worthy of your trust. Indeed. You know she's a liar. I know. I know, man. Although people do this kind of thing. People do. And like, you know, I like she's not good enough for there to be like really like crackling chemistry between them but they're both pretty enough yeah there's not nothing between them either so he holds up more than his end of the bargain right it's not enough but yeah yeah but again that also happens in life (laughs) so we see arthur stagging around the abandoned boxing ring as an unidentified song kicks in i wish it was fiona apple's shadow boxer I wish that too. Steve Knight, you should really look into Fiona Apple because I think you'll be surprised. Right? Yeah. I think he'd be really happy with that. Yeah. She's like the female Nick Cave. She is. And she's a better musician. <laughs> right. Like, no offense, Nick Cave. No. I mean, it's nothing personal. She's she great. was a prodigy. Mm-hmm. Nick Cave was just Australian. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone in Australia was a prodigy. That may be true. Tommy Prodigy down, sport. <laughs> Tommy Prodigy down. <laughs> he was very interested in Ned Kelly. I was looking at his Wikipedia article. I only read the beginning. I just wanted to see what he looked like. Mm-hmm. He looked like Nick Cave. Like, whatever oh, yeah. you're imagining. That's, yeah. Oh, it turns yeah. Out he, he was, yeah. He's got a real Cro-Magnon thing going on. <laughs> anyway, Arthur uh, starts weeping and grabs a rope to hang himself with as he starts saying the Lord's Prayer. Uh, he gets up on a stool, uh, strings it all up, kicks the stool away, and coughs and chokes for a minute. But then the rope starts to strain and eventually breaks, dropping him to the ground. I always feel bad for people whose suicide fails, like, through no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he really wanted to kill himself. Yeah. I mean, I think... the shade... Look, I mean, he's got to put up with a lot of indignities. Mm-hmm. And this was just, like, blow after blow visited. I mean, literally. Mm-hmm. His dad beat the shit out of him twice. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It's horrible and sad. Yeah. No, it was... Uh, it was... Arthur's trip through this episode was just awful. Just really bad. Also completed in one episode. Yes, which uh, Downton Abbey would never do. Right. Sam Neill is in his office and the telephone rings. He says to send a telegram to Churchill that the business has complete and he'll be leaving the city. There's just one tiny matter he needs to tidy up first and Don breaks on Killian and Grace. I need to stalk my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> ah, carry on. <laughs> Before that bear turns to piss. <laughs> that was pretty good, babe. No, thanks. Killian comes home to find Arthur sitting down with a rope mark on his neck. And Arthur uh, asks and is confirmed that Polly told Killian about the suicide attempt. Killian drinks tea and tells Arthur he should have used a gun. Arthur wants to know if Killian's laughing at him. And Killian says, listen, this is just when things are starting to go right. And Arthur tries to kill himself. And he gives Arthur a business card with his name on it uh, as head bookmaker or something like that of Shelby Brothers Limited. I think he's associate bookmaker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, he says that it's all official and it's all written down, the paperwork in black and white, that there are three equal partners, him, John, and Killian. You know, a third, a third, a third. And he says, but, you know, me and John are quite interested in splitting your share, so next time, use a gun. 
Killian says that they're on their way up in the world, and it's it's just great. Yeah, and Arthur actually bucks up. Yeah, he does. Well, it's because, you know, I mean, Killian could have said some stuff about their dad being awful, but he's just like, no, listen, in this in the arrangement that we have made on mm-hmm. our own, you are dead equal and it's in yeah. the paperwork. Like well, nobody can say otherwise. Well, he doesn't need to tell him that his dad's awful because he already knows. Yeah. And it's not like them to belabor that point. You right, know? right. So I was, yeah, just that's a really, really nice little scene there. Yeah. So we see Paul walking in slow motion down some stairs to the bedding parlor, looking awfully happy for someone whose niece isn't feeding her baby. (laughs) But Esme is tooling around in there. And then we see Killian in his office happily reading a paper and smoking a cigarette. Uh, there's an uplifting song playing under a bedding parlor montage. It's actually Bring It On by Nick Cave. And I did not know that Nick Cave could be non-upsetic. Yeah, they found It turns one. out he can. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it feels like the season finale. It does. Like, it's so, it's such, like, a finality. Yeah. Of every, like, nothing can go wrong. We're like, there's still... No, I mean... There's still another episode. There is still another episode, and there is still... There is still the Black Star Day that we know about. Yeah, that's so that, true. That I was, forgot about that. Right, because that was so early in it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because they say, and they say it at some point here, that they've got their sources in the police department saying that he's heading out, mm-hmm. that Sam Neill is heading out, and they're in the clear. It's done. Yeah. The whole thing is over. They've got their legal betting pitch. Everything's coming up peaky. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> yeah, so we have one more episode in this uh, series. That's right. And we'll be back with that next week. By order of the Peaky Blinders!